podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Wolves Express. Happy New Year and welcome to Wolves Express, a slightly different podcast for you today to ring in 2024. Last year, Wolves Studios launched a brand new podcast called The Football Gods, featuring broadcaster Kate Mason and journalist and Wolves fan Tim Spears as we ponder the all-important questions, such as which player would you send to hell, what flavour pie would be considered the food of the gods, and which game would you want to watch forever. The Football Gods gives famous faces the ultimate footballing role, total power, and become a football god. You can find the show wherever you get your podcast. It's available on all podcast platforms, and we wanted to give you a little bit of a taste of what you've missed so far on the show. Here are a few of the best stories from the end of 2023, from David Seaman's Faith Healer to Wolves' very own Sean Derry and his unusual pre-match superstitions. So this is the Football Gods. Enjoy. Forged in the fires of undersoil heating. Stronger than the steel of a stadium roof. Their name is uttered in anguish and ecstasy. It's all about the football gods. All they can do is hope they're smiling on them. Never seen, never heard, but with ultimate power, these are the football gods. Their names are part of football folklore. They're often turned to in times of need. They can be a fan's last resort, but... Who are the football gods? I'm Tim Spears. And I'm Kate Mason. And we'll be pondering the important questions such as what moment are you wiping from history and what are your football commandments? Given the power, how would you change football? Happy New Year, everybody. Kicking off the new year, we have got so much planned for you on the football gods. And so we wanted to give you, if you're just joining us, we wanted to give all of you brand new listeners a taste of what you've missed so far so you don't miss another single second. We're going to give you some of our favourite stories from the last year. Are we, Tim Spears? First of all, though, the story that all the listeners want to hear is, what are your New Year's resolutions? Oh, my goodness. Uh, I'm going to do some going to do some real good podcasts uh, <laughs> that's that's that is my I, my news resolution is is for the people who listen to football gods we're going to make it the best damn podcast in mm. their ears that's a little bit uh sucky uppy it's very on it's very on message isn't it are you were you a teacher's pet by any chance <laughs> i tried I oh try. no uh what's I, yours kate mason i think i might try and learn to cook a bit better you mean you want to do freestyle, like just grab some rice and yeah, exactly. hand and then that's enough? Yeah, right. I want to be able to be like, oh, what's in the fridge? Can't teach that though, can you? No, I think it's going to be a big resolution. Actually, I'm a bit worried that I've now committed to this publicly. That's a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> so what have we got coming up in today's special bonus 2024 podcast? We don't know anybody's New Year's resolutions, but I reckon I can guess what David Siemens is. More fishing. Go on then, tell us about David Seaman. What did yeah, you get up so to? Yeah, so David Seaman um, was our first ever guest, and what a way to start. So, yeah, he's known for his goalkeeping prowess and his hair. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, he spoke about David Beckham's hair uh, 
Arsene Wenger's diet, of course, the famous Arsenal 90s diet, went into some great things about that. Um, but the main story, it certainly stuck with us, I think, from the day, yes. was his story about a faith healer, who many people will remember, by the name of Eileen Drury, a very controversial figure in Glenn Hoddle's uh, England reign. But David told a quite incredible story about um, the influence that she had on him, physically and mentally. Yeah, I can't stop. I can't stop retelling that story. I'm like a walking, talking podcast. I fear I might run out of friends if I don't stop doing that stuff. (laughs) But anyway, David Seaman is our friend. So should we hear from him? Let's hear it again. Eileen Drury, you know, Glenn Hoddle's like faith healer. So as much stick as she gets, right? I I was told before 98 World Cup that I needed a shoulder operation and I needed it and I would not have got back in time to play in the World Cup. And Glenn at the time, he went, well, he said, what about seeing Eileen? I was like, all right then. And I saw her, I saw her twice, right? And she all she did was like put her hands on my shoulder, on my head and everything. And it was two sessions and I never had the operation and I played. Wow. And I, so all I can tell you is like what happened to me, you know, and as I know a lot of players like totally binned it off. You know, I know I know a few players that, that did it as well. Um, but yeah, I've, I've never known anything like it. It wasn't like a deep massage or anything like that on my on my shoulder. But I do remember going home, well, going back to the hotel with England, and falling asleep at six o'clock in the evening and waking up at eight o'clock the next day. It was just so strange, but it worked. Former striker turned co-commentator Don Goodman, who is. He's got a lot of plans. I love the way he kind of dug into all this, didn't he, Tim? Like some people have really like thought long and hard about these questions and then some are like spur of the moments, you know, I'm riffing. This is what's going to happen. And so I loved a bit of that. He's into sin bins, controversial also, fried chicken and watching the game with some of history's most famous faces. What was also fun for me, not that I'm like sadist or anything, but but it was quite cute when you pretty much cried about the wolves story that he told yeah he brings up uh the lowest one of the lowest moments of my life which isn't, <laughs> isn't easy to talk about um but no I, yeah I, I i enjoy the riffing it reflects it reflects the amount of uh preparation some of our guests do or don't oh, yeah. um but th- they're both good ways of approaching the podcast some people just stick with what first come first thing that comes to the mind some people like max rushton really think about it in advance um but both make for great podcasts i think and Don was very much of the riffing variety. But yeah, he gave us some fantastic answers, including one that made me shed a tear all those years on. So I thought I'd go down the Wolverhampton Wanderers route here. Here we go. Okay. And I would banish from history the second leg of the playoff at Burnden Park, Bolton, where we lost and lost the semi-final of the playoff. And... Yes. You might have to take over. This is going to be so difficult, basically, difficult for me to talk about. <laughs> basically, oh. no, I watched the highlights of this the other day. You know, oh. it popped, popped up on YouTube. Yeah, did I've it? I've never seen the highlights before. Have you? Have you seen the home game? Remember the home game? I remember the home game. Yeah. Well, the home absolutely... game was the biggest. I've never smashed the team so much and only won two one yeah. in the home game. So we're two one. We hit the woodwork five times, I think it was, and they had the audacity to bring Peter Shilton out of retirement yeah. to, to play. <laughs> yeah in these playoffs and he and he was amazing he actually was incredible he must have been about 57 at the time to be fair he was 
He was he was incredible. And no matter how hard we tried, we just couldn't extend the lead from 2-1 to 3-1. And then we went back to Burnden Park and the rest is history. There was a few shenanigans going on. We would argue that John McGinn should have been sent off. And well, he should have been your answer to number four, Don. I think, well, really, yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> he's definitely your answer, <laughs> yeah, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah I know. Um, to say his name. But yeah, yeah, if I banish that second leg and, and we have the game played over one leg at home at Molyneux, mm. then, then we, we win. Nadim Onuaha took a like a utopian approach, I think, to changing the game. He is, of course, Great a forward footballer and now ESPN pundit, amongst various other illustrious things. He's also on Guardian Football Weekly. Hello to those guys. Max Rushton is coming up. Uh, he had no time for players who are out for themselves and also teams who are hanging on to old glory. Uh, some things that, particularly in recent times, a lot of us can can identify with, I feel like, Tim. Yeah, he was he was great. He's the kind of person I could listen to all day, and you don't you never quite know what he's going to say next, which I really like. He is a wise guy, and so he made a very good god. Here he is. I would love the history or the semi recent history of a fallen giant to be erased, so that fans of that football club and the way we perceive them can be more neutral. Because I like the desire of a team that wants to win something for the first time more so than one that expects to be winning all the time because they did it 10, 15, 20 years ago. Like, it's that's exhausting. Like, because you so did well United. back then. Because you did well at some point in the past. Because you did well at some point in the past. And, you know, if, it, if we are to use Manchester United as an example as an in example. this case, oh, as yeah. an example, they were so dominant from way back when football the world everything's changed to this point so why do we still have a sense that they should be winning something a football god i absolutely loved tim was uh qi writer and no such thing as a fish podcast anna tashinsky their podcast is really cool so it was good to have a, a doyen of the podcasting scene on with us she threw us a lot of curveballs i think it's fair to say she showed up with facts and figures she she brought us stuff from everything her book that she's just written about sport everything to play for the qi book of sports um and she really nailed the sending to hell because i know that some people who've come on have been a little bit nervous about sending members of football teams to hell because you can get a whole load of a whole raft of people from other teams on your back um and so she got around that very cleverly she did we're not allowed to have favorites this is like picking a favorite child your parents yeah. don't really do that i don't have children but i imagine that's how it goes uh but you know was this my favorite episode it was right up Ooh. there and it delved into the history books to bring us some incredible answers she was fantastic the football player i would damn to hell is Henry VIII. What am I talking about? We've had we've had that already. I knew I would be able to come up with anything original here. Uh, yeah, look, he owned the world's first pair of football boots. So we know he was a footballer. Um, these, these were found in his wardrobe. And I feel okay bitching about him. Because he's long dead and he was a real and asshole. he's a prick. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, killed about 53,000 people, which I hadn't realised until recently. It had 53,000 people executed. We bitch about Bloody Mary Jesus. and her couple of hundred. And um, he played football. So that's my answer. Henry VIII. There we go. No, no supporter of any team could get angry with me for that. 
That's extremely smart. <laughs> okay. The football gods. Right, next up is Nick Hancock, English actor, comedian, television presenter, podcast host of the famous Sloping Pitch, and definitely, probably, <laughs> almost certainly, television's best-known Stoke City supporter. And, of course, he was host of They Think It's All Over, a very popular TV quiz in the 90s. Um yeah, Nick, Nick, we're talking of curveballs. Nick threw us a huge one with his dislike of penalty shootouts. An extreme dislike. I've never, never come across anything like it before. This was a very unique answer. I have uh, an antipathy towards the penalty, personally. I, I don't watch them. I hadn't watched one since 1971 uh, until last year. I can't tell if this is a running up to no, a punchline. This, this, <laughs> this is absolutely true. Football is, is a a game of movement and speed and athleticism and physicality and the penalty is darts really and you know darts is difficult uh, i agree but darts isn't football uh, and that's my problem with penalties um but but listen i'm aware that that's just my own personal problem the, the you know the fact that 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 we missed out on two fa cup finals in the early 70s because of penalties, it's got mm-hmm. nothing right. to do with it whatsoever. <laughs> it all comes out now. Yeah. Well, so on the theme of, of doing what you want with football, Nick, is there an alternative you have in mind for penalty shootouts? Well, you know, they, they used to have this thing in the, in the American League where you you had to do like a one-on-one from the halfway line. I think a one-on-one from the halfway line, but with all the players allowed to run after you. <laughs> so, so everybody lines up along along, along the uh, along the halfway line, and a bit like um, some sort of steeplechase thing. Dog. Yeah, 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 it's that sort of thing exactly. You, you know, you have the ball rolled in front of you, and then that's it. All mayhem can be let loose from that point on. Uh, that would interest me. That's pretty good. Okay, like that. it's definitely got drama. I can see that. Yeah, I haven't finished it. I yeah, hold my hands up. <laughs> you know, it, it's not a finished idea. I don't know if it has the same drama as the as you know Euro twenty twenty standing in front of the whole of Wembley and trying to put the ball into the back of the net while all your teammates watched on. But it's got movement. So. Well, okay. Well, I'll give you. I'll give you drama. How dramatic was it for me, for instance, because I don't watch penalties at Euro ninety six? So wait, you just, sorry to interrupt again. Do you just stop? So you just. If a game, as according to you, a game has not been won, if you if it goes to penalties, because you yes, just stop I leave. watching it, you I leave. hear what happens. I leave. Wow. I went. I went to the. I went to the Italy game, the final, with my son, and You're I left. Me. I left him in there. I went to the Euro '96 uh, semi-final against West Germany and left. And I'll tell you what: standing outside what? Wembley Stadium when there's nobody there, and it's yeah, absolutely packed, and there's a penalty shootout going on. It's fantastic. I've did the same in um, Setetien. Uh, was it Setetien for for England Argentina? I've done it so many in Portugal as well in Gelsenkirchen. I've done this many, many, many times. Of course, the trouble is being a miserable <laughs> uh, and 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 bugger. Uh, the moment I started doing it, I had to keep doing it, even though sometimes, <laughs> really, I wanted to stay in. Music legend and Lightning Seeds frontman Ian Brody joined us on the Football Gods Clouds and unsurprisingly he had a lot to say about the role music plays in football and it was basically magic. His 
Three Lions Anthem is the thing that I hear when I'm thinking about any kind of England football achievement. And uh, it's it's a bloody great tune. But he's also incredibly deep about music and football, we found out. Yeah, magic's the word, Kate. Like, I was a bit worried that he'd be sick to the back teeth of talking about Three Lions, because I'm sure uh, it's always asked about. And he's had an incredible career with the Lightning Seeds, who have produced some quite excellent music, in my opinion. But yeah, he was... Uh, magic is the word. He's... he's it's clearly two of his great passions in life are football and music. And then to combine that and the way that he's sort of um, brought it through his son as well. And now his son's a Liverpool fan and he's on stage with him. It's just beautiful stuff. I could listen to him all day. He was great. Well, I mean, I think music is magic. You know, it is sorcery. It is some way of speaking to one another in a way that we can't explain. And it is an amazing thing that, you know, someone, some bloke in Liverpool sing something you know didn't exist and then you pretend it exists and then it exists somehow and then it goes out over the airwaves which I don't understand at all it's someone in Mexico who's got nothing in common with them their life is totally different and they relate to that song and 20 years later you're at a festival in Mexico and that guy is singing your song back at you and you're like if that's on magic what is it you know and at the greatest moments, the most emotional moments of your life. You know, if it's a wedding or a funeral or a football game or, you know, you sing, you know. And when you're so sad, it's a song that can make you, you know, maybe even wallow in it but get better or, you know. So I think it's underestimated. And the connection between football, which is obviously high emotions, I think, you know, football is kind of a strange thing, isn't it? Because where else would you get so many people in such a heightened state and maybe in a different country? You know, when are you going to get 20,000 British blokes in a heightened state? You're only in a war or a football game. Chief football commentator at ITV and TalkSport, Sam Matterface, gets rid of mobile phones at matches in his episodes of The Football Gods. Um, he's going to reorganise the football calendar, which is wise and overdue. And, yeah, he talks about a very well-known moment from the Champions League final 2019, uh, Liverpool against Real Madrid, which still brings him to tears, and a lot of Liverpool fans as well, I suppose. But he had a unique insight into um, the drama that unfolded that day. So here he is, Sam Face. Loris Karius's mistake is one of the worst things I have ever seen. Now, I think it's one of those moments where you can take the mick, right? Okay, and loads of people probably have done and whatever. And I get that because that's football. It happens and we do. Roy Wegley misses an own goal in a league game against Chelsea and I never want to speak to him ever again, right? It's been 40 years. Don't come near me. Um, <laughs> Loris Karius has made a mistake in a Champions League final and cost his team the European Cup and I can't feel like that about him because I went afterwards downstairs um, into the mix zone and I was the only person to speak to him and do an interview with him after that game and it was heartbreaking, absolutely heartbreaking and it's one of those interviews that actually we, we... we played again ahead of the Newcastle Manchester United Carabao Cup final because 
he's I don't know if you remember this, but the Newcastle players all had letters written to them by their partners or close associates or family members or whatever to sort of inspire them going into that particular game. And his wife wrote him a letter. And when I was reading through doing my research for the cup final, I saw this letter from his wife, which was absolutely heartbreaking. Um, and he'd sort of got this gig where he was the Newcastle goalkeeper for a cup final when he hadn't played for God knows how long. And I remembered the interview and I, we went back, found it, aired it again and listening to it again, just made me want to cry because he is crying during the interview. Not audibly, sort of you can just hear it, but I remember it clearly. He is crying. He is absolutely devastated. He knows. He's an intelligent guy. He knows at that moment that his life is never going to be the same again. He's going to be haunted by that mistake forever, and he knows it. And it was just harrowing to watch and I felt so sorry I still feel even talking about it now I actually I feel like I'm welling up because I think it's so sad that his whole career has changed immeasurably because of that moment and he's a nice guy he's worked really hard he's clearly a lovely family man he's incredibly good looking by the way um (laughs) But he, he made the biggest mistake in a Champions League final and that will forever haunt him. Next up, we've got for you Max Rushton. He was one of our early episodes, wasn't he? And he is the host for UEFA's Champions League and Europa League coverage on Stan Sports in Australia, where he joined us from. He had a lot of plans for football. It felt like this was the podcast he'd been waiting for oh, his wow. whole yeah. life. Big time. <laughs> he's shaking up transfer, deadline day. He changes the football calendar. He's banning suits. I think he sent a few people to, to jail as well. And then he went off on one with his choice of who's going to hell. And uh, in a way, it was kind of beautiful. The person who I'm sending to hell is Ali McCoyce. And <laughs> sure. And the the reasoning is as follows. Right? A popular choice. I'm well, the, uh, the punters really. Yeah, I mean, you. Like, like, please, if you put this out on social media, let me give the reason. <laughs> I think I think it is impossible in football, either as a footballer or a broadcaster or a manager or anything. It is impossible to be universally loved, right? I don't know anybody like mm. some people like me. Some people think I'm the worst thing to have happened to a number of show. Basically, every show that I have presented. Um, and I sort of, that's fine. I don't mind it. I find it quite funny. Um, but Ali is universally loved. I can't think of anyone else. Calling any, Jeff Stelling, maybe. Like, but I can't think of, I can think of barely anyone who everybody goes, yeah, they're great. I think they're brilliant at what they do and I love them. So he would go to hell yeah. and he would be universally loved and he would turn hell into a great place. He would reform everyone. And he would, then there would be no hell. And that makes actually my life as God a lot easier. Um, and so, and, Al, and Ali is so nice, he would understand. He'd be like, fair enough, that's the job I've got to do. He would take it on with real enthusiasm. He'd probably have John Champion next to him because they, you know, they, they dovetail really well. And I just yeah. think they'd, they would, they'd reclaim hell for us. Uh, and finally, we will finish on Wolves coach Sean Derry. What a nice bloke. Uh, this was in person 
at the Wolves training ground, which we loved. And yeah, there were some great tales from Sean, including on the colour of football boots, which is something I wasn't expecting. And in particular, his crazy pre-match meal, pre-match routines and rituals. The footballers are crazy for this, but Sean, with his choice of meal over many decades, uh, really took the biscuits, not involving biscuits. We probably should have a... A warning for anybody who's like overindulged on the Chris over the Christmas period. Just take care when you listen to this bit because it made me feel a little bit a little bit funny to think about it all going on. Uh, the routine didn't just involve eating, put it like that. From the age of sixteen when I started playing football up until thirty-five when I finished, I only ever had for pre-match, beans on toast. Wow, I was waiting for the big reveal there. Yeah. It did not disappoint, i got to say. Beans on beans toast. toast. <laughs> Amazing. I couldn't have anything else. It was just, and uh, my habits before the game was just bizarre. My, my habits were just bizarre before the game. You know, the superstitions that you'd carry into a game of football. Yeah. Beans on toast was just, I couldn't have anything else. Okay, so I just want to so, know a lot about yeah, the habits, yeah, yeah, but yeah, can I just yeah. briefly ask, how, what quantity of beans and toast are we talking here? Is it a can, two cans, how many bits of toast? Two slices of toast. Two slices? Half of beans. On each. Each one. Yeah. And that is it. Butter? Butter. Butter and beans. And I remember being in a hotel at just time for Leeds, and I was living in a hotel for the first month. And the first home game was against West Ham. And um, they didn't have any beans in this hotel. So I had to walk out of the hotel. I went to this um, kind of this marketplace down in, um, down in um, the centre of Leeds in my Leeds United tracksuit just to get some beans on toast. But that's incredible commitment. Well, for 17 years. Yeah. 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 I'm really impressed. Wouldn't have anything else. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Heinz beans? Or oh, got to be. Other, yeah, other brands be. are available. Yeah, Branston, yeah. whatever. Yeah. Um, and brown or white bread? Um, brown. Right. Brown, yeah. Brown bread, yeah. And finally, uh, are you cooking the beans in a pan or microwave? Pan. Pan's fine. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think sense, yeah, it's yeah. good. Yeah. Got to be pan. It's very Brilliant. sensible, actually. Now they talk about it in detail. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. And and you're, it sounds like you had a whole system before a, yeah, before yeah, a game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How did that talk us through it, if it's not going to take the next two hours? And how did that come about? Like, how did those bits piece together over time? Just habits. Um, maybe I, I never used to... I mean, I didn't score in the real game, so it was pointless to be trying to score before a game, but I'd never shoot a goal before a, go, before a game. I would always go out and I would do eight whips of the pitch as a run to start with. My warm-up would start maybe an hour and a half before the game where I would be on the mats and, you know, different stretching. And so I was constantly going, you know, I was churning off calories, ridiculous. I could never sit and relax and just read the programme or anything like that. I'd always have to be on the move. And then I'd be... Um, it's probably all the beans. Yeah. <laughs> and, then I, and then just before kick-off, I'd make myself sick. Oh, wow. Ah. So I would have to, it would be habits of just every single moment of my preparation. And, yeah, I'd be, I'd be, I was sick before every game. Every game. Yeah. 
nerves and you know kind of like the adrenaline of the game um yeah so because you've worked yourself up so much is that what yeah just adrenaline that's yeah. flowing around your body and it kind of like affects your system a little bit so the football gods and that's it those are our favorite bits from the football gods so far and you should join us for the next favourite bits that are going to be coming up in the future there's going to be lots more of them aren't there Tim yeah no we've got we've got loads coming up for you guys in the next few weeks some fantastic guests who we can't reveal just yet they're going to be a big surprise um, so keep on listening folks we are loving doing this podcast and we hope you are loving listening to us I'm Kate Mason and I'm Tim Spears see you next time bye the football gods is a voice work sport production Podcast Network.